friends, Pastor Mike here with Renewing Your Mind here on The Daily Renegade. Thank you for joining me today for this episode. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 8. Gospel of John chapter 8. I'd like to read with you verses 2 through 11. John chapter 8 verses 2 through 11. You have your Bibles? All right, well, let's read together. Early in the morning, he, Jesus, came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. Scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. He was left alone in the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. Friends, this is a picture of godly restraint. Godly restraint. We live in a day and age of knee-jerk reactions, of emotions running our minds. We don't give ourselves time to think. We don't give ourselves time to analyze, to consider the proper response. And in, in far too many cases, we don't take the time to pray and ask, how should I respond? We are almost conditioned to respond immediately. And what that normally means, normally, not always, but normally, that means we're going to respond in the flesh. Now let's unpack this and walk through this. And I want to show you something that's very, very important. First of all, Jesus is the central figure, the only one qualified to throw a stone, didn't. Now that should instruct us right off the bat, right at the beginning. Jesus could have, but he refused to do so. Notice that in verse 2, he came to the temple. This was a regular activity for Jesus. He came to the temple to teach the people. Now on this occasion, the scribes and the Pharisees, it says in verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees came. They were about to become an object lesson. Of course, they didn't know that at the time. They were about to become a prime example of what not to do. So here they come. This represents, friends, the enemy of our souls. The scribes and the Pharisees mentioned there in verse 3. The enemies 
of our souls. The enemy, of course, that old dragon, his henchmen, those that are bought and sold into bondage and the slavery of sin, they will present circumstances to us designed to elicit a certain response, whether verbal or physical. And what we need to consider is if this verbal response or this physical response that we believe is warranted in a situation, if it appeals to the flesh, friends, I'd tap the brakes. I would tap the brakes. That should be your first warning, your first sign that what you desire to say or what action or behavior you desire to exhibit might not be the appropriate one. So I would encourage you in those situations to tap the brakes because the chances are very good that the word or the behavior will not edify you. It will not bolster or, or strengthen your witness. It certainly will not honor God. Notice in verses four and five, they present the situation they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. And then they mentioned the law of Moses. Now, what I find interesting about that is that the, the scribes and the Pharisees, these quote unquote masters of the law, left out part of the law of Moses. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, and you can read this on your own tells us that the man is mentioned first. In fact, the man is mentioned in, in various examples of what constitutes adultery. And only at the end is the adulteress mentioned. There's no mention of the man here, is there? No mention whatsoever. So immediately we see injustice here, not justice. They were not interested in justice. And we, we know that because verse 6 tells us that they were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. See, the assumption that the scribes and the Pharisees were operating under was that Jesus was going to respond in a certain way. And in that response would be their opportunity to condemn him, to criticize him, to accuse him before the law. Now you would think at this point in the public ministry of Jesus that the scribes and the Pharisees would be smart enough to know not to do that to Jesus. Now that point did arrive, you know from the gospels that, that there did come a day when they stopped going to him and testing him and trying to debate him into things because they had left so many times with their tail tucked between their legs, being humiliated in front of the people that they just gave up that strategy entirely. But here, the assumption was that Jesus was going to respond in a way that they thought they could nail him in front of the people. Well, notice what Jesus does. They persisted in asking him the question. So he stood up and he asked, them a question posed as a statement. The question was, who of you are without sin? Is there, is there anyone here among you men who are without sin? And he couched that within a statement. 
he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to cast a stone. In verse 8, again, he stooped down and began to write in the dirt again. Now, we don't know what Jesus wrote. I've, I've heard many conjectures over the years about what people think he might have wrote. That's not the point of this teaching. It, it isn't uh, a huge part of the spiritual principle of godly restraint. Uh, it is interesting to hear those conjectures. There's no question about that. The bigger picture here that I want you to see is godly restraint. See, Jesus could have remarked in a number of different ways toward these hard-hearted, merciless people, but he did not do that. Jesus' desire was for compassion. It was for mercy. So notice, see that in verses 9 and 10. So when he stooped down in verse 8, began to write on the ground, then the Pharisees and the scribes began to depart one by one, starting with the older ones, until only Jesus and the woman were left standing in the court. Straightening up then, Jesus said, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said to him, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go and sin no more. What a remarkable response this was from the Lord Jesus. The truth that Jesus demonstrates here in this passage is the same truth that he told so many people in so many different situations, friends. God desires mercy. God desires mercy more than he does your sacrifice of upholding what you believe to be truth. God desires mercy. That is a biblical truth over and above what some people believe are biblical truths. God desires mercy toward the, the broken, toward the hopeless, toward the people who do not know that Jesus loves them. God loves them and sent his son to suffer in their place. God desires mercy, friends. So I want to encourage you to demonstrate godly restraint in your communication with other people, especially with the lost. Before we stand up, maybe say things or do things that are not honoring to the Lord, perhaps we should stoop down in humility and ask the Father how we are to manage the situation or the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I believe what you're going to find, friends, is that God desires mercy. He desires mercy. So let's be merciful people. God bless you all. Thank you for joining me here for Renewing Your Mind on the Daily Renewal.